Hello and welcome to the Real Life Real Talk Podcast. I am your host, William Clark. For 12 years, I was part of a team who served as volunteers in a youth detention center. Every week, we would visit the incarcerated youth to minister, play games, and have several conversations. Over a period of time, I began to notice certain characteristics in most of the young men. Most of the offenses involved their lack of knowledge about financial matters. In one of the ministering sessions, I asked this question, which is the worst position to be in? One, to be physically locked behind the doors and walls of the detention center and be mentally free? Or two, to be physically free and mentally enslaved behind the doors and walls of your thinking. As we emerge from being in financial ruins to financial freedoms, our beliefs and behavior need to become congruent with our actions. We are not free if we think one way and act another. Where our words flow, our actions go. This dilemma does not apply just for those young men. It applies to anyone who are not financially free. In this episode, I will offer some wisdom on how to break the change of financial imprisonment. I will share with you information on steps to financial freedom, seed time and harvest, and principle of giving. Let's get started. What is freedom? An individual must be able to recognize financial bondage, but also know how to achieve freedom. Financial freedom can manifest itself in every aspect of an individual's life. Relief from worry and tension about overdue bills, clear conscience before God and before other men, and the absolute assurance that God is in control of our finances. When God manages our finances, we need not worry. He is the master of the universe. It is his wisdom that we are seeking. We are human beings and subject to mistakes. Even when we understand God's principles, it is possible to step out of his will. When we admit we made an error and let God resume control, we are back under his guidance. Here are a few steps to financial freedom. One, transfer ownership. An individual must transfer ownership of every possession to God. That means money, time, family, material possessions, education, and even potential earnings for the future. This is essential to experiencing the spiritual-filled life in the area of finances. Psalms 8 and 6 says, Thou made him to have dominion of the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. There is absolutely no substitute for this step. If you believe you are the owner of even a single possession, then the events affecting that possession are going to affect your attitude. God would not force his will on us. 
we must first surrender our will to him. According to Deuteronomy 5, verses 32 through 33, you shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Step 2. Freedom from debt. An individual must get out of debt altogether. Again, let me define a scriptural debt. Debt exists when any of the following conditions are true. A. Payment and past due for money, goods, or services that are owed to other people. B. The total value of unsecured liabilities exceed total assets. In other words, if you had cashed out at any time, there would be a negative balance on your account. C. Anxiety is produced over financial responsibilities, and the family's basic needs are not being met because of past and present buying practices. So what we must do, we must have step to getting and staying current. The first thing we want to do is have a written plan. A written plan is an absolute necessity for individuals who are in financial bondage. A written plan will help to differentiate between needs, wants, and desires. Needs. What are needs? These are necessary purchases such as food, clothing, a job, home, medical coverage, and others. Wants. Wants involve choices about the quality of goods to be used. Dress clothes versus work clothes. Steak versus hamburger. A new car versus an used car. Desires. Desires are choices according to God's plan, which can be made only out of surplus funds after all obligations have been met. The second thing is living essentials. An individual in debt must stop any expenditure that is not absolutely essential for living. Proverbs 21 and 17 states, He that love pleasure shall be a poor man, but he that love wine and oil should not be rich. Learn to substitute. Look for items with fewer frills. Learn to conserve and begin to eliminate expenditures that are not essential. Third, think before buying. An individual who is in debt should think before every purchase. Every purchase should be evaluated. Proverbs 24 and 3. Through wisdom is a house bill. And by understanding, it is established. Ask these questions. Is it a necessity? Is it a need, want, or desire?
Does the purchase reflect my individual ethics? Is this the very best possible I can get? Or am I purchasing only because I have this credit card? Am I buying something that will depreciate quickly? Four, discontinue credit buying. An individual in debt should also begin buying only on a cash basis. The principle is this. If you are in debt from the misuse of credit, stop using it. One of the best things to do is perform plastic surgery. Cut them up. Five, avoid leverage. When in debt, avoid using leverage. Leverage is the ability to control a large asset with a relatively small amount of invested capital. For example, if you bought a piece of property that costs $10,000 and required $1,000 down, that represents a 9 to 1 lever. You have invested 10% of your money and borrowed 90%. Practice saving. An individual should practice saving money on a regular basis. This does not mean to save money at the expense of creditors. Everyone living above the poverty level has the capability to save money, but many fail to do so because they believe the amount they can save is so small that it's, it's meaningless. Others believe God frowns upon an individual saving anything. Neither of these reasons is scriptural. Proverbs 21 and 20 states, There is treasure to be desired, and all in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spend it up. Number seven is establish the tithe. Every Christian should establish the tithe as the minimum testimony to God's ownership. God wants us to give the first part to him but he also wants us to pay our creditors. That requires establishing a plan and probably making sacrifices of wants and desires until all debts are current. If sacrifice is necessary, do not sacrifice God's or your creditors' share. Choose a portion of your own expenditures to sacrifice. And number eight, Accept God's provisions. To obtain financial peace, recognize and accept that God's provision is used to direct our lives. Finding God's plan. How can an individual actually apply those principles and find the level of living God has planned for his life? He can begin putting those attitudes into practice in the following areas. Extra income. Assess whether he is living outside God's will for his finances. Is it the real problem, a lack of money, or wrong attitude towards spending? Asking God first. A clear conscience. An individual must have a clear conscience regarding past business practices 
and personal dealings. Proverbs 28 and 13 reads, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confess and forsake them shall have mercy. Put others first. An individual seeking financial freedom must always be willing to put others, people first. Limit time involvement. Many individuals are trapped in this cycle of overcommitment to the pursuit of money. God first, family second, spiritual relationship third, and all other follow these. Individual must avoid the indulgences of life. In the book of Luke, it reads, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, daily and follow me. Labor not for the meat which perish, but for the meat which endure until everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him that God, the Father, seal. Christian Counseling In Proverbs, it reads, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. The very first counselor to seek is your spouse. Many times, God will provide the answer right within your home. We can see that God clearly outlines when an individual is in financial bondage as well as the step that leads them out. Begin to put those principles into practice and to share them with other individuals. As a reminder, soul prosperity means allowing God to do a work in our inner lives so we are prepared to handle the outer realms of prosperity. There are three areas which we can prosper, spirit, soul, and body, and that is found in 1 Thessalonians. Spiritual prosperity is being born again and receive eternal life in our inner man. Physical prosperity is walking in health and wellness. Financial prosperity includes gold, silver, as well as financial and political favor and power. Prosperity of the soul is to have the mind, will, and emotion under control using the words of God. The soul cannot truly prosper without the word of God. We will prosper and be in good health according to how much of our soul is in line with the word of God. God's word should be our standard and should be our guide for living. God rewards those who diligently seek him. According to the scriptures, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Hebrews eleven six it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. But he that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you want what you say come to pass to 
our advantage. Keep our heart full of the word of God. Keep that heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Ask in faith with expectancy to receive. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavered is like a wave of the sea driven and the wind tossed. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall not be, not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall not make it good? And lastly, Ecclesiastes 11 and 6 says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether thou boast shall be a light. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you have any comments or observations about the podcast, you can send them to the numeral one, Real Life Ministries at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please share it with family and friends. Until the next time, remember to keep it real.